Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we're going to be revisiting some of our favorite conversations from the spring of 2021. We're going to start by speaking with two women who are leading an organization that is doing great work in supporting women-led projects in Africa. You don't want to miss my conversation with Susan Hukong-Taylor and Equi Odozor of Canadian Samaritans for Africa. After that, we will reconnect with singer-songwriter Kay Clarity and learn about her music project, Catholic Chapters. In our second half hour... We'll be speaking with theology professor and author Josephine Lombardi about her new documentary about Mary, the First Lady and her successors. And we will end the show by meeting a new singer-songwriter, Dave Moore. And of course, we'll also listen to some great music. Remember that you can listen to all our programs at eselmedia.org slash podcast, and you can also podcast the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions, you can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also email me, pedro at slmedia.org. We begin now with Canadian Samaritans for Africa. I don't think it's news to any of you listeners that for many people around the world, food security, access to clean water, education, even work, are not available. And many of these people live in African countries. War, ecological disasters, displacement, and frankly, greed mean that these people do not have, and most will never have, the same opportunities that you and I have. The Canadian Samaritans for Africa hopes to turn that around by supporting asset-based women-led grassroots projects in the African continent promoting self-sufficiency and autonomy. And to tell us more, I am now joined by the president and the vice president of Canadian Samaritans for Africa, Equi Odozor and Susan Hukong-Taylor. Equi, Susan, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Thank you. Um, Equi, let me, let me start with you, Equi, because I think it's clear that what poor communities need is solidarity and collaboration. And, and you do this by building upon women-led initiatives that already exist um, through things like microfinancing. Can you explain to us how that works or, or why you've chosen to go this route? Thank you, thank you very much. Um, yes, let me just uh, repeat that Canadian Samaritans for Africa believes that Africa needs solidarity and collaboration and not pity right. yes. or sympathy. Yes, And uh, this is why we invest in the assets of women, because we believe that when you invest in a woman, you actually change the narratives, the negative narratives of a village. It's very interesting. Because and women, women are the ones that really take care of the community. Yes. Yeah. Do you think and that I, that's something that's very specific to Africa? Or would you say that that applies to the rest of the world as well? Well, in some ways, it, yeah, I can say it yeah, does I think the rest you, of the world. Yes, women are women learn. and, you know, being, you know, it never changes. It's very universal. Yes. Uh, what women do. But uh, in Africa, we know that women take in not just their own children, but other people's children. It's yes. Part of the culture. Absolutely. Part of so, the culture. So, so in, in saying that, uh -huh. um, the reason why microfinancing works so well mm -hmm. in that community is, again, it's very culturally based. We know that in uh, 
most, in some, I would say most African communities that women have no collaterals. Okay. Right. And it's difficult for women to go into the financial systems okay. and just get along like everyone else. Right. Right. In most communities, you need a man to be able to sign out a loan and you have to have some assets in right. which in those cultures, some women are not allowed to mm -hmm. own those things. Mm -hmm. So that makes it challenging for them to be able to get loans to support their career right. or to support what they want to do or even to grow those kind of, uh, you know, uh, economically. Right. So what, how it happens is that groups come together and kind of contribute to a pocket, like uh -huh. have their own financial system. Right. In most, it's just women. And in these cases, these women are vulnerable women. They contribute to that. And then from that central pocket, they can now give to whoever needs help. So you can borrow, a member can borrow really from the pocket. I understand. Right? And the people, and then, sorry to interrupt, but the people contributing into the pocket are the women themselves in that particular community? In most cases, the women themselves. Okay, So they I come understand. together and they contribute to the pocket. That's wonderful. And then they're able to borrow. When you want to borrow money from that, you can borrow from that. But the way now CSA works with them is that we, con CSA contributes to that pocket, uh -huh. right? As an organization, so allowing them to have access to more money that can get around in helping them either train skill-based or kind of expand their whatever is their trade. In most uh -huh. cases, they are you know small traders, uh -huh. and then they can actually have that money to be able to fund you right. know, um, their 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 trades. I, I see. It seems like a very simple, uh, simple idea. Susan, um, I can imagine that the last year has been a hard year. Um, although at the same time, I think it has been for some people, they've been able to be more generous. So did you find that last year was a, just a difficult year for fundraising to, to put money into those uh, pockets? Mm -hmm. I think that it, it has, uh, there are general way of fundraising, which would mean gathering, which would mean, you know, we've mm -hmm. had galas, we do those right. sorts of things. So all, all of that went by the wayside. We were able to do uh, a beautiful fundraising concert um, mm -hmm. last year, uh, which, which is still up online. You can access that and, and, uh, where we gathered people from all over the world really to participate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so it was, it was quite a wonderful event. Um, but nevertheless, uh, with respect to that, that our usual ways of fundraising, definitely, uh, we've had to get creative. We've had walkathons, you know, mm -hmm. we've had a t-shirt campaign, we've done different things, but um, I think that the pandemic has really put everyone kind of at a distance in a sense, uh, like our, our, our people that would, would be supporting us. Um, and it, it's also been d difficult really to, uh, to reach to our, our projects as well in, um, in Africa. Yeah, I can imagine. You said something very interesting that I had not thought about, but how important it is in the, that in what you're doing when you fundraise, is not just fundraising, but you're making connections. Equi, why is that so important to build connections? It's very, it's very important because that is, it, you know, one thing is just giving money. Yeah. And another thing is getting to understand yeah, what that yes. money does. Like it's yes. all about human beings. Right. So sometimes people give money and they don't really realize that 
you are talking about human beings. Yes. You really want to help, but making a connection with those individuals. Mm -hmm. Kind of, you know, we, we see where we are connected. We see how we are, we share responsibility for our earth. We see how we are, you know, almost like the same. Mm -hmm. So coming together provides a platform for us to share the stories. Right. Those human stories, those human connections yeah. happen when we get together. Right. So in some sense, I'm thinking that maybe the fact that you're doing a virtual fundraiser actually makes more sense because people will be able to meet maybe some of those women that are in, in these African countries that would not be able to come to a live event. So Susan, tell us about the, the event on July 10th. So we are very, very excited to, to have this event, which is a uh, uh, connecting and moving forward in service. So the idea behind this virtual event is to connect with our, our with our friends, friends of CSA, but also certainly to uh, welcome in more more friends of CSA, mm -hmm. and to to share a little bit in the and and uh, in this world of Zoom, which we didn't even know anything about. Yes, I know. <laughs> a few yeah, years no. ago, we are able to connect with those people on the ground in Africa. So there's an opportunity to be in conversation, to hear from them directly about what their uh, struggles are, what their hopes are, what their, um, you know, and, and, and things and ways that we can, can help. Um, and it, it's always really so much more effective when you can talk directly to a person, hear directly from a person. So that's happening on July 10. Uh, at 1 p.m. and and uh, we have that link of an, an Eventbrite link on our website, okay. CanadianSamaritansForAfrica.org. Okay, that's great. And people don't have to be Canadian. They don't have to be in Canada. They can just go to CanadianSamaritansForAfrica.org, July 10th, 1 p.m. So that's 1 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, um, it is. And that presumably so that the people who are in Africa that are probably six or seven, eight hours ahead can also be there live. This will be great. So it's not just a fundraising event, but also a connecting event. I love that. I love yes. that very much. And we're hoping to have, uh, you know, we'll be featuring some uh, talent from Africa. So you'll be able to be hearing some music from, from musicians and choirs in Africa and, and, and other places as well. Um, and uh, so it should be a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Okay, good. Um, very uh, much looking forward to that. Thank you so much, uh, Equi and Susan, for, for the work that you're doing. Um, it's very meaningful and important. It sounds like a lot of work, but it sounds like it's very rewarding. And uh, for telling us about it today, and I hope that uh, you have a very successful event on July 10th. Thank, Thank you. you. Equi Odozor and Susan Hukong-Taylor are the president and vice president, respectively, for Canadian Samaritans for Africa. You can find out about them, support their work at their website, CanadianSamaritansForAfrica.org. And uh, here now is our featured artist of the week, Kasha and Murr, with He Came to His Own from Catholic Chapters, Volume 3, The Devotional Chapter.
That was Kasha and Murr with He Came to His Own from Catholic Chapters, Volume 3, the devotional chapter. Kasha and Murr is a Catholic music project which seeks to reach souls through beauty with Christ and his church. We first heard about Kasha and Murr from singer-songwriter Kay Clarity, who was on our program last year. With this project, under the Kasha and Murr banner titled Catholic Chapters, Kay hopes to create a refuge amidst the chaos of our modern age. The project is to be in four volumes, starting with Gregorian chant, followed by other hymns and traditional and contemplative pieces that are part of our tradition, and ending with the rosary. It is an ambitious project, but volume one is now ready for release. And so to tell us more, I'm now uh, joined by Kay Clarity. Kay, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to see you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So I know we spoke about this last time you were on the show. Um, so people can go find that interview. I'm not going to sort of rehash stuff, but so the project is in four chapters. Right. Um, Gregorian hymns, devotionals, and the road, like why, why did you decide on those? How did you come up with that? Like that? Cause there's a progression there, right? Kind of. Yeah. I, I mean, part of it is just that there are so many different things I want to do and I <laughs> feel the capacity I want to, to do, do everything. I know, you know, it, it, that's why it is really an ambitious project. But I think part of it too is that often we, we end up at odds with each other because of different tastes mm -hmm. and concerns about how music ought to be done here and there. And I actually, in my experience, because it's been quite a broad experience musically in the church, is that they actually complement each other, that all of the different facets mm -hmm. of Catholic music can and should um, link to each other in kind of an organic way. So I like having these different chapters because it allows each of those different pieces to find their proper place, but not in a way that's unrelated to each other. Yeah. Okay. And let me ask you about that. Cause I do think sure. that's sort of interesting, but cause you've said, I think you've said this um, at some point I read it somewhere, I think, or you told me that Gregorian chant informs how you write music. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm, I'm interested to know about that or, or how that happens, but is that what you mean? That it's like, so Gregorian chant informs you and in how you're writing, but the music you're writing is contemporary music, obviously. So mm-hmm. how does that work? Is that what you mean? That like those, all those kind of interconnected pieces? Yeah. So I think I would explain it in maybe two distinct ways. One is that any musician would say that what you're taking in is going Mm. to start affecting the sound of whatever else you're doing. So even if I do a pop song or something, which I do on the side, you know, Mm -hmm. I find it bleeds in and it informs even the sounds or the way I use my voice. But I think on a deeper plane, it's just like we talk about with the Eucharist as being the source and the summit that we go Mm. to him first and we receive and we're filled up and then it's kind of like out of the heart, the mouth speaks for the artist. So you fill okay. up on these beautiful traditional sounds of the church, these ancient mysterious sounds, and it changes you as a person and then therefore also as an artist. And so that flows out into all of my work, especially the other Catholic work. Now, but do you see that? Cause we were talking about that progression. Do you see that, that, sort of without Gregorian chant, you wouldn't be able to have the hymns and devotionals or even the rosary because they each kind of inform the other? I don't know that it, that's a very interesting question and not, not when I've thought about strictly like that, but I, I've definitely noticed that the more I have let myself be imbued by those ancient sounds of the church, the more that sense of mystery and peace finds its way organically into my work. So I was first and foremost, just a singer songwriter. Um, mm-hmm. And I do that in a mainstream way. Um, but I also grew up in, in choirs. We did a lot of sacred music. And yeah. so I think a lot of people will maybe throw out some of those older sounds as aged and not modern and not interesting or something. But actually, we live in a huge, broad conversation just generally as human beings and then especially in the tradition of the church, where as we are exposed to these beautiful foundational realities, they affect everything we do. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I don't know if, that, if that's a good way to explain it, but I've just noticed that it, it has affected um, the way I approach my writing. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it makes sense. Um, why? This might seem like a silly question because I think I, I know how I would answer it, but why is it important to offer people a place of refuge, as you yeah. say, <laughs> that you, you want with this project? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing everybody can agree with, agree on right now is that things feel pretty chaotic. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been a really hard year for everybody. And there's just a lot swirling. And that's both societally, but also just it seems like a lot of people are just going through some really hard things. And mm-hmm. I think we've lost maybe in the modern age a concept of the church's sanctuary. You know, that used to be the churches were never mm-hmm. locked, right? You would always have a place to go in the middle of the night or if you were fleeing. I mean, I, I remember yeah. reading in a novel that somebody who was had committed manslaughter rushed into the church and then ends up a monk you know (laughs) i think it was the betrothed because it was a sanctuary there was this understanding that within the church everything Mm -hmm. had to stop time had to stop anger had to stop the corruption of the age had to stop even a just police force had to stop there was this concept of just sacredness okay and so in our modern times we've lost maybe access to the building in that explicit way But I think that hunger that God put in us is always there, that we need a place where we know we can go and stop time and return to that deepest place of ourselves. And through that, we find peace. 
No, that's fascinating. And you, and your sense is that the best type of music to help us find that sanctuary, I, I like that word, mm-hmm. is those traditional, th- those traditional Gregorian, I mean, I, I'm just, because yeah, yeah. I thinking that some people might think like, oh, Gregorian chant, like whatever, yeah, like, I have nothing. Yeah. But, but there is, I think that there is something about that style of music I think at least as a component, I I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to do a few different things, because I think different things resonate for different people at different times and Mm -hmm. different ways. Yeah. Um, But I think we only benefit by having those sounds in our consciousness. Like if you think of the difference, like if you're out gardening or walking around or working, what's in your head might be a really obnoxious pop song that's degrading, or it might be a bit of chant. And can you imagine the difference that makes to how your day feels right yeah so it's informing someone called it filling up the pockets of our our lives with beauty basically um so i I think that it's not always the best thing but one of the reasons i Mm -hmm. wanted to do this project was that i know that my voice is something of a bridge and i also want to work with other artists i know we talked about that last time but Mm -hmm. for now i'm looking for voices that sort of help to bridge the gap a little that there's something some people do find the the monk sound to just be a little too alienating. And I, I would love for people to grow into those sounds. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I think having something that's a little uh, lighter somehow, because it's just the one voice, lets people access those sounds in a new way, but in, in a way that doesn't betray the tradition. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I wonder if people started, I don't know if I'm suggesting the wrong thing, but if people started backwards, like if they, if they, because we're playing some of the songs from the third volume that's not going to be released yet. But if they, if they enter through the devotional album and then work their way back to Gregorian, maybe that's a way to, to kind of enter in into that beauty. Um, So the first volume is being released shortly. May is what you're thinking, right? Um, Can people still contribute then to support the project? Yes. So uh, we did the crowdfund in August and got halfway there, which means I've been able to do a pretty good, great job so Mm -hmm. far. And the project will get done regardless. But if people want to jump in there, they do get early access to the files and some extra demos and information and things if they if they are contributors. And um, and then it also helps us do an even better job in terms of quality on those last two chapters, because that's the thing that suffers because, you know, there are fees and things associated with yeah, even a labor of love. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. No, but that's good. Yeah. That's good. So people yeah. have heard a little bit of the music and they might yeah. uh, be intrigued. They can find out more um, and I'll, we'll, we'll let them know. Well, the website's easycatholicsong.com yeah. um, and, and they can support the project. I wanted to just in like the 30 seconds that we have left, um, you're also, I know that hoping to release some, uh, 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 some music under your name, K Clarity. Yeah. Um, any idea of when that's going to be? Because I'm excited about that. I am hoping, hoping, hoping for November. But oh, okay, a good. lot of things have to come together. So we'll see. But that's the goal right now. And in the meantime, I'm, I'm releasing fairly regularly to members on my website, um, smaller content, and also on YouTube. Okay, good. And is it your hope that the four volumes of the, the Catholic chapters, uh, Kasha and Murr, is that going to be all done this year? Or do you still anticipate that you might be releasing them some next year? 
for Cash and Merv, uh, the plan is for all four to fit into 2021. Okay. That was always the vision. We'll see how it goes, but okay, I, I good. that working. Yeah. Okay, good. So that's good. That's something something good to look forward to this year. Yeah. All right. Okay, Kay, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's uh, so good to have spoken with you when the project was just starting and now to see how it's coming together. And I'm looking forward to hearing um, when, it, when it's all done. Um, and I'm also looking forward to hearing some of your other music. Uh, always good. Always good to see you and uh, happy to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Kay Clarity, she's the artist behind Kasha and Murr. Her latest project is Catholic Chapters. Volume one will be ready for release on May 1st. You can find out more at catholicsong.com. If you missed any part of our conversation or if you want to listen to it again, just head to our website, slmedia.org. Here now is Kay Clarity with uh, one of her singles, Magdalene. Mary Magdalena was a lonely girl Crawling through the dirt in a hard world They're taking her body and now they wanted her dead But one man saw her soul and so he said and sin no more I got love and peace with living for I got hope and light and open arms Come my way and you won't be harmed Come my way and sin no more You close the window but I'm opening the door To a greater life than you've ever known To a greater love than you've ever been shown Mary Maggie heard his voice and wept For all the hopes and dreams she had and kept She remembered her sins and let them float away And as they left she still could hear him say Come my way and sin no more I got love and peace with living for I got hope and light and open arms Come my way and you won't be harmed Come my way and sin no more You close the window but I'm opening the door To a greater life than you've ever known To a greater love than you've ever been shown Never could a greater tragedy be Than the Son of Man on top of Calvary The pain of love destroyed was in her eyes But that poor sin and woman was the first to see him rise Oh, come my way and sin no more I got love and peace with living for I got hope and light and open arms Come my way and you won't be harmed Come my way and sin no more You close the window but I'm opening the door To a greater life than you've ever known To a greater love than you've ever been We're shown We're listening to Kay Clarity with her single, Magdalene. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour featuring our favorite conversations of the spring of 2021. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, check out our website at eselmedia.org. Here now is my conversation with Josephine Lombardi about her documentary, The First Lady and Her Successors.
Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. We have all learned that Mary was conceived without sin. She is full of grace. She has the title of the Mother of God, and we celebrate her perpetual virginity. We also believe that she didn't die, but was assumed into heaven. Perhaps for these reasons, for a lot of people, Mary seems a little bit out of reach, an impossible ideal. And for this reason, theologian, author, and professor Josephine Lombardi wanted to make Mary more accessible. So she made a documentary, The First Lady and Her Successors. It is a film dedicated to women who have been away from the church and who feel there is no place for them in the church. And to tell us more about it, I'm now joined by Dr. Josephine Lombardi. Josie, it's good to have you on the program. Oh, thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's good to be here. Thank you. So um, what made you want to do this film? I mean, you're a theologian, you're a professor. Why now a documentary filmmaker? <laughs> well, um, I've always had a, a devotion to our Blessed Mother. Um, and I've spent years either reflecting or pondering her life, and praying, reading, uh, teaching on the topic of Mariology in, in my course, Ecclesiology, and doing other sessions with seminarians and lay students. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I've also had um, a passion for, for writing um, and also for several years had a dream of making a documentary, a okay. film project. And so about a year and a half ago, I approached the Board of Governors at St. Augustine Seminary I'd never taken a sabbatical. I'd been teaching for 16 years. Mm -hmm. And so I asked for a sabbatical leave. And when you ask for a leave, you have to propose your project, whether okay. it's a writing project, a book, something like that. And I proposed this film. And they said yes. Okay. So they gave me the leave uh, to uh, work on the film. And that's how it all came to okay, be. Okay, good. Now, the film is about is about Mary. Um, yes. But but I, I think, is, am I safe to say that it's not in the usual sense? I don't think what people would be expecting. Why, why, why did you choose to approach Mary the way you did in the film? I wanted to start with scripture mm -hmm. because I thought that this would be a way of not only reaching Catholics, but other Christians as well, who know of Mary of Nazareth, the mother of Jesus, but perhaps... Um, don't know enough about her, haven't really established any kind of relationship. Maybe they can't relate to her. They, they think she's inaccessible, an impossible ideal. So I wanted to start with scripture and we journey with the biblical Mary beginning mm -hmm. in Genesis with the first messianic prophecy uh, and ending in the book of Revelation. And as we journey with Mary and reflect on her words in scripture and any events associated with Mary, I invite other women to share their own life experience and how they relate to Mary, anything she said, anything she did, mm -hmm. and why they have a relationship with her. So my, my hope is just to reach uh, men and women and, and introduce Mary to them, and for many, maybe for the first time. Yes, I, I, and I want, I, I want to, there's a few things there that I want to get back to. One is about whether it's for men or women. And I do want to hear a little bit more about the women that are featured in the film. Um, but, but there's something about the film that you made me think. So you start off by what it looks like you're just looking at the joyful mysteries, because those are moments where Mary's in. But then you sort of went off, off the mysteries and, and into other places and other, like the Gospel of John or the, you know, or the Book of Revelation and, and Genesis you had mentioned earlier. And it made me think, that maybe they are all mysteries. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Can you tell well, me a little bit more about that? 
Absolutely. I start off the film by talking about like what constitutes a mystery is something that's impossible to explain mm -hmm. um, and to explain with words, for example. And yes, we get into the sorrowful mysteries as well, the crucifixion, the luminous mysteries with Cana. And again, we end with yeah. the revelation. And, and this is a mystery that Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven, crowned queen of heaven. And it's hard to explain these things and yeah. try to understand why they happen, how they happen, and using words and explaining these mysteries. But with our heart and with deep prayer and meditation, we can ponder these mysteries and think about what do they mean for us, mm -hmm. for yeah. our future, uh, for our own restoration. Uh, what does it mean to be a daughter of the Most High? Uh, what, what does it mean to relate to Mary or that we can be like her? So even though she was conceived without the stain of original sin, we can grow to be like her, more and more full of grace, of God's free gift of supernatural power and strengthening, um, so that our faith will be greater than our fear. So Mary reveals to us our higher selves and that with God's grace, regardless of our past, it's possible. Right. Why do you, why do you think that that knowing about Mary and about these mysteries can help, and I'll say women, but I guess people come, come back to the church or, or make them feel like there is a place for them in the church. Because Mary is human and she's a creature like us right. and she knows her son the best and he took his flesh from her. They have an intimate relationship as um, a son and mother and being the new Eve, the early church fathers referred to her as the new Eve, meaning Mary reveals God's intended plan for us in the beginning. That we are created in the image and likeness of God. And so to be like God means to be free to love without fear and free to reason without fear. Mm. And Mary reveals that image to us. Mm. That she's, she's the... Um, there's a mystery in Mary and because she's a human um, and, you know, even though she was sinless, she wasn't spared any struggle. And in, and in some cases she experienced the pain that others experience if they've kind of had a slip and fall in their life. Right. Um, and she experienced it, the, you know, gossip, rumor, isolation, having to flee to save her family. Mm -hmm. Um, so she can relate to so many of us, mothers, wives, single women. So I, I, I chose women who represent a variety, a wide range of women. Yeah. I was going to gonna ask you about, about the women. So you, you yeah. chose, you chose humans, you chose women <laughs> to help yeah. reflect, to help reflect on, on this, this one woman. So mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about the, the women that you, that are featured and, and why sort of who do they represent? Yeah, so I uh, most of the women um, I knew, uh, colleagues and friends, uh, one was um, recommended to me by someone who worked on the film. Uh, and so I prayed over, you know, who would best represent which mystery or which moment in Mary's life. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you two examples. A lovely uh, Angela Ferguson, a millennial. Um, I asked her to reflect on the flight to Egypt. So although it's not a mystery, it is one of Mary's sorrows. Mm -hmm. And I asked her to talk a little bit about her experience coming to Canada from Kenya. Mm -hmm. You know, getting used to a new culture, new people, new customs, 
And so she connected that experience to Mary's flight to Egypt. Uh, another very moving uh, um, encounter uh, with my dear friend Leanne, who shared uh, the sorrow of losing her son. And so Leanne shares her own experience when we reflect on Mary standing at the foot of the cross and how Mary brought her comfort in her time of grief. Mm -hmm. um, others shared, you know, very painful moments like miscarriages. Um, you know, I had Sister Mary Grace from the Sister of Life uh, say something to young women who are in crisis. Yeah. And how Mary can support you if, you know, you're in a crisis pregnancy and you're feeling lost and alone, that you're not alone, mm -hmm. that Mary's walked that road and she's there with you and will pray for you and accompany you. Uh, so you... beautiful, very moving, moving moments throughout the film. Yes. Yeah. Why do you, why do you feel that these women, and, I'm, and I'll include you in, in that group as well. Why are you successors? Why are we successors? Okay. Well, uh, you'd have to watch the whole film, especially <laughs> okay. when I reflect on Mary at Pentecost. Okay. Because many people are not aware that in the book of Acts chapter one, Mary is listed as uh, someone who is present in the upper room just before the descent of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so the author of the book of uh, Acts, whom we believe to be St. Luke, tells us that apart from the 11 apostles, because of course Judas Iscariot sadly takes his life and they're about to elect his successor, that Mary and certain women were mm -hmm. in the upper room. And that's why liturgical images abound of our lady present at Pentecost. So if the apostles have their successors, um, Mary would have inspired other women. Mm -hmm. So St. Maximus the Confessor in his life of the Virgin gives us some details regarding Mary's life after the Ascension. Mm -hmm. So tradition tells us that Mary not only was an advisor to the apostles and comforted them and accompanied them, that she had other women. And, and these uh -huh. other women were inspired by Mary and uh, were blessed by her counsel. And so we're called to be Marian successors. Yeah, I love that. I and love Mary that. had a seat at the table. Yes, she yeah. did. Yeah, mm -hmm. she did. Um, I love that. And as you said earlier, it's not just women who can be inspired by Mary, but also men. So it's not just yes. a film for, for women. Um, Josie, we're going to leave it there. But thank you so much for... Uh, for making the film and for, for doing the work that you do, teaching us a little bit more about Mary and about our faith and, uh, and inspiring us, giving us, uh, giving us some of those mysteries to inspire us today. Oh, well, thank you, Deacon Pedro. Thank you. I'm, I'm just so honored and thrilled that uh, uh, you're, you're interested in the film and that you've given me an opportunity to uh, share some of the insights from the film. Thank you. Dr. Josephine Lombardi. She's a theologian, an author, and a presenter. She is Associate Professor of Pastoral and Systematic Theology and Director of Lay Formation for St. Augustine's Seminary in the Archdiocese of Toronto. You can find out all about her documentary, The First Lady and Her Successors, at her website, josephinelombardi.com. And if you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to it again, just visit us at our website, eselmedia.org. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Dave Moore, with Restored, from a simple record made with my friends for my friends.
That was Dave Moore with Restored from a simple record made with my friends for my friends. Dave Moore has been in music ministry for over 15 years. He is currently the resident worship leader for the Diocese of Dallas, Office of Youth, Young Adult, and Campus Ministries. Together with his wife, Lauren, they started the Catholic Music Initiative in order to support liturgical musicians and provide them with resources They have published a Mass, the Mass of Peace, that I'm sure he's going to tell us all about. And so it is with great pleasure that I welcome Dave Moore to the Salt and Light Hour. Dave, welcome to the program. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Deacon. I love the beard. Our listeners can't see the beard. Tell me about the beard. The beard was an outward expression of inward change. Uh, I read the Book of Wisdom in 2012. Okay. And it rocked my world, and I wanted to simplify, and I just let the beard go wild. And I got a lot of flack for it. And then about two years later, this amazing TV show, Duck Dynasty, came on. And then everyone thought I was super vain in, like, doing the new trend. And yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't That's great. Like that. So, how long is it? Tell our listeners how long it is. Uh, I mean, I'd say I, I definitely got a good, you know, I mean, I think it stops at about 10 inches. I'm wearing it about, it goes about eight inches. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So I I know you, you uh, do work with uh, Joe Zambone, fellow Canadian, that Zambone, I don't know, how's his Zambeard doing? Cause he had a whole. uh, So he's trimmed it up. Yeah. He got married and got cleaned up. What's up with that? Joe Zambone. Um, Both of our wives make make it (laughs) mandatory that the stash be trimmed, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. We'll see. That's great. Um, Dave, so you're in Dallas. Did you grow up in Texas? Are you like, tell me a little bit about growing up. Yeah, I grew up in Corpus Christi. Um, and, um, I was a beach kid. My, my parents, uh, traveled around. My dad was a Navy pilot. Okay. Um, I grew up in a leading music at a very diverse church, very diverse church. Um, and, um, yeah, very simple kind of small town feel. But Catholic, I mean, it was a Catholic family. Catholic, yes. Yeah, and you were doing, it sounds like you were doing music right from the time you were young. Yeah, I, I think I started picking up the guitar uh, around the age of 11 and, uh, you know, fiddled with, you know, a few hymns, a few yeah. chords, a few rock and roll songs and uh, and got serious probably early high school. Okay. And when did you start thinking, I mean, I'm assuming that maybe you thought you'd, you'd want to do like, secular music i want to be a rock star or something totally yeah yeah totally so when did that change for you that you wanted to do more praise or worship or liturgical music so i was um at the age of 15 my music minister had bolted from playing music at the church Uh and my pastor had asked would you step in and so i was kind of thrown into the fire and there was this this kind of tug on my heart to understand more about liturgy then because oh, I was an altar server, interesting. but I never correlated like music for mass being something that I would ever do, uh-huh, you know, like uh-huh. at least long-term. 
and and I was also playing in rock bands and was very much like into the entertainment side of music. Yeah. And it wasn't until, you know, fast forward, I'm now 18 years old, maybe 19 years old. I'm still playing music for mass and I've kind of grown in, you know, the bands that I'm playing with and really have an avenue to kind of pursue there. And I got asked to go to the National Worship Leader Conference with a friend of mine. I met Paul Balash, who wrote uh -huh. Open the Eyes of My Heart. Yeah. And in a conversation over a good cup of coffee, Paul was like, look, man, you can't serve two masters. Like, I, I think that the Lord is calling you to serve his church. Wow. And that means you got to learn to be invisible. Mm -hmm. And if you do choose the entertainment route, like you, you carry the banner for Jesus wherever you go. We need mm -hmm. people doing that, too but it's very, very hard to do both. And so mm -hmm. you really you really need to dig deep and be steeped in prayer and make a decision because the Lord's calling you. And I was like, oh, gee whiz, you know, like, and I, I chose the church and it's good and advice. It's <laughs> yeah, good advice. Um, so, and at what point did you, because you spent a lot of, is it fair for me to say that you've, you've spent a lot of your ministry creating resources or, or helping form liturgical musicians. So when did that kind of passion start? You said, yeah. that, you know, you, you love liturgy. So when did that, this idea of, of formation or helping musicians start? Yeah. I don't, I don't know that it was ever really a, a thing per se. Um, I, I think um, I, I loved, I loved the mass and I loved people. And when I made the choice to, um, to give my life over to the church. I, I spent some years, um, you know, doing gas, my love offering tours. And I would, I would meet musicians that would ask questions and, and uh, people who wanted to grow in their own walk in their own journey in their own mission. And mm -hmm. next thing you know, that there's people that are kind of reoccurringly asking questions and right. it just kind of organically just kind grew. Of, yeah. Evolved. Yeah. I, I honestly like, it's funny. I, I play a little bit of everything, right? Mm -hmm. When I was a very young kid, I was in a very traditional church. We chanted, it was at Orienta mass, you know, wow. um, it was very traditional. Uh, I studied a little Latin. I love that world. It yeah. wasn't for me by the time I was 19, I was into praise and worship. Um, loving the church seeing you know kind of that i was probably a little too contemporary for the traditionalists and a little too traditional for the for contemporaries the, yeah. yeah i realized i don't know where i fit in you know and i i love going to conferences and leading music but i never came in with this agenda of like oh here's my music and now you're gonna learn it you're gonna right. pray with it right it was always from this place of like i know the lord I've been with him and now I'm with you and I just want to make sure that I convey this heart for knowing Jesus and wanting to follow him constantly. Yeah. And so instead of like promoting like the next thing we were doing, it became about who's in the room and how do I get them hmm. to connect with this person I'm just madly in love with. Right. right. And so um, I don't know if that makes much no, sense. It does. No, but is that so? So, <laughs> does the Catholic Music Initiative come out of that place? Yes, yeah, that's really where where it was born. Because what what was happening was, um, like, take for example, I first come to Dallas and I'm working at a college campus, 
and you know i'm i'm like there's all these amazing students that want to be involved and we're not doing the like super old school thing we're kind of doing a merging of what's ever ancient and ever new mm -hmm. and uh all i mean i didn't have music for them and they felt left out and it was like what the heck i don't know what to what to tell you but until i have music I'm not having all you guys play melody and playing in mass with us. Yeah. And so then I started composing a little bit. Lauren started working on choral stuff. And next thing you know, like these kids are, are now rising to the occasion. Mm -hmm. They're starting to understand it. And they're being like, Hey, I'd like to give a try right in the next trumpet part. That's Can great. you help me with that? Yeah. That's and, and, and then it just kind of continues to expand um, the mass of peace was more born out of the fact that, you know, we had a very diverse parish, you know, yeah. our, our morning mass looked 110% different than yeah. the evening mass. Yeah. yeah. And so we wanted something that, that worked for of, all of them. And that's great. You've done that. So, it, yeah. and it's clear that, so you went, you went into the project thinking we need something that can be used, whether it's organ or choir or scala or guitar and it, yeah. it does that actually i think you succeeded yeah 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 it, it's cool so so then the idea just tell our listeners quickly um so the idea is then that if they're interested in in using that mass the mass of peace they can get it at the catholic music initiative website i'll give you that website in a second they can download all the sheet music is there you said there's trumpet parts if they have trumpets there's guitar there's everything is there english yeah. and spanish yeah english and spanish yeah yeah, so um, uh, Worship Now is distributing yep. that. You can you can check things through Worship Now. Uh, Bird and Bear is Lauren and I is publishing. Uh, we we have some resources that um, you can you can look up Bird and Bear and and uh, find more more resources as they come out. Uh, we've got catholic yeah, music okay. initiative for updates uh there's kind of a, a span of stuff but it's all a big collaborative effort to bring that's great you know this yeah. to the people in the pews and know? i'm assuming that there's there's more to come so your hope is that you're still be able to produce maybe it's more mass settings i don't know but certainly more resources for catholic musicians so it's catholic music initiative and and dave mentioned lauren so that's his wife lauren she's also behind yeah. the catholic music initiative there it's too bad that we couldn't meet her today but maybe next time dave yeah. It's been really good meeting you. Um, thank you for what you're doing and uh, keep up the good work. I, I hope that we can stay in touch. Thank you, Deacon. God bless. You can learn more about Dave Moore at his website, davemoremusic.com. And as I said, the Catholic Music Initiative is catholicmusicinitiative.org. Really simple. If you missed any part of the interview, you can head over to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. All our programs are archived there. Here now to take us out is Dave Moore with Song of Victory from a simple record made with my friends for my friends.
We're listening to Dave Moore with Song of Victory from a simple record made with my friends for my friends. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Learn all about Salt and Light Media and support what we do at our website, slmedia.org. If you have any questions or comments or just to say hello, reach out to me through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I know that you hang out there, so come and say hello. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour.